0: Welcome to the Beacon Church Podcast. Each week we post a sermon from our last Sunday service so you can catch up, review, or share with your friends.
1: We pray as you listen to this week's episode, you're encouraged and equipped to love God, love
2: people, grow in Christ, and serve the world. Now for the matters you wrote about. It is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife, and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife, and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband doesn't have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other, except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish that all of you were as I am, but each of you has your own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. Now to the unmarried and the widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I do, but if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. To the married I give this command, not I, but the Lord. A wife must not separate from her husband, but if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. To the rest I say this, I, not the Lord. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she's willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who's not a believer and he's willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife, and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. And if the unbeliever leaves, let it be so. The brother or the sister is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or, how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: All right.
0: Good well, morning, Beacon family.
1: Good morning, everybody. So, yeah, I'm Robert, and uh, this is my wife, Cheryl. So this is only going to be a little less awkward. Um <laughs> than it uh, could have been, um, but uh, so yeah, we are uh, real excited, as Trevor had said, uh, be able to talk to you guys about, uh, you know, kind of an introduction even to some of these ideas and uh, hit on some of the more uh, detailed, granular kinds of things in this conversation, and uh, my wife said, uh, are you really sure that uh, you want to do that? And I said, no, we are going to do that, and yeah. so uh, yeah, we're going to do that.
0: So it's so good to be here. You know, Robert and I just celebrated 30 years of marriage. Um, Yeah, it has been a wonderful adventure, some highs, some lows. We've had um, the blessing of being surrounded by other married couples who have built into us and have really been an example to us over the years, and we've had an opportunity to spend... um, a lot of time with all different sorts of couples, uh, couples that are dating, engaged, um, you know, divorced, remarried, um, you know, some people that have lost their spouses. So, and we've learned a lot about uh, about marriage and singleness uh, throughout the years that you know have really has really been a blessing to us. So we have uh, three um, three boys. They're super cute um, and uh, they have also been a blessing to us in our family and in our home. Um, we spent uh, we spent our thirtieth wedding anniversary in Nashville, so that was so fun because we love we are we love country. I don't know if you know that about Robert and me, but we love country music. So we went to Nashville. We visited some honky tonks. The kids didn't come with us; they stayed here. Um, yes, yeah, so we have three boys. They are no longer super little anymore, but uh, they're still super cute. Uh, they are. Uh, uh, 18 20 and 22 they're all about to age up and one of our boys is uh, getting married soon which is super exciting um so anyway it's been so nice uh to come here today and have the opportunity to talk about marriage sex singleness divorce all fun stuff
1: (laughs) yeah um and so uh it, is we're, we're going to be using 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You can jump in there if you want uh, to kind of follow along. It was already read for us, but uh, we're going to work our way through and jump in to some things that we wanted to say along the way and some of the of the questions uh, they are going to pop up here for us on the screen uh, if you uh, text them in. And so I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sex with a woman, but uh, since uh, sex is uh, occurring, sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. So if you were to summarize really kind of the, 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 the big idea here, it, it really, to me, it seems like you, you ought to have sex, right? So like that's kind of the governing idea here. If uh, you're a married couple, you ought to have sex and you ought to have great sex. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that isn't as uh, talked about in uh, church life or in the Christian community as it ought to be. Uh, mm-hmm. This was a great gift from God. And uh, he made us this way. Uh, He created nerve endings and all of that kind of neat Mm -hmm. stuff and uh, put them where he put them. And so, yeah, like this was God's idea. And he's like totally into it. And that might be weird for you to hear. Uh, But, uh, yeah, God really actually loves sex. And he wants married couples to have uh, lots of great sex.
0: Yes, and uh, you know, the writer is, uh, you know, he's saying that sex provides mutual pleasure. It's not just a duty uh, that, you know, a wife, you know, performed for her husband. And I think, um, you know, when this was written, uh, he, uh, Paul was saying, you know, I'm going to give you some new information. You know, I'm sure people were, like, floored at the idea that the woman was, you know, not just chattel used for, you know, pleasure and procreation. But, um, you know, Paul was saying, you know, it's mutual pleasure. It's not just the pleasure for a man. It's also, you know, the pleasure for a woman. And Paul was recognizing that women have sexual needs, too. Um, and... Uh, and it wasn't, it wasn't just this idea of, okay, I've got to put out because, you know, that's my duty as a wife.
1: Yeah, it's often been, even in Christian circles, uh, even in the last you know, century, it still has been this idea that this is a, a male need, a man's need, and it is a woman's responsibility. And uh, a lot of folks kind of grew up with that culture. You've been Mm -hmm. taught that from your families or, you know, just from culture in general. that's starting to shift now. And in some ways, we're finally starting to catch up to the biblical view of sexuality. 2,000 years late. uh, But we're finally starting to, as a culture, catch up where we're really recognizing uh, that there is a need sexually, a desire sexually, there is gifting in it. Uh, but there's a, a gift and there's an obligation to it, That, but it extends to both men and women. Yes. And there is an equality in that that is startling to find in a 2,000-year-old document.
0: Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, one of the things that we've learned in our marriage over the years is, you know, we change over the years and it's so important to have open dialogue about sex in your marriage because if you enter a marriage not being comfortable talking about sex it is it's it's going to be this um you know experience where people are you know I think I'm giving him what he wants and he thinks he's giving me what I want, but I don't really want to talk about it. It's very uncomfortable to talk about it. But if you become comfortable talking about it, then it just becomes all that much better.
1: Um, so and, real quick, uh, yep. one of the questions came in oh, uh, already, so uh, we want to just, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you take, no. So, yeah. um, so uh, <laughs> when we're talking about sex, we're talking about, more than sexual intercourse. And so that's important for us to recognize. When the scriptures talk about sexual immorality, it isn't just talking about full-blown intercourse, vaginal sex. It's talking about something way, uh, way more than that. And that also means that when we talk about it, it, it is more than just that. The reason I say that is because one of the questions is, is oral sex sex? And yes, it is sex. That's why we put the word in there, partly oral mm-hmm. sex. Um, and one of the great ways to, to recognize that uh, would be to think about uh, your your relationship your spouse and whether or not they would be able to participate in that with another person without you wanting to kill someone yeah. and uh, and so like that's kind yeah. of a good 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 rule of thumb so <laughs> is that yeah and and you know sex is more than that as well because it you know we you know you want to you want to think through Uh, the marriage vow and whether or not your partner would see these things as a violation and then also Mm -hmm. historically which things are are viewed as uh, either uh, something that would be reserved for a husband and a wife or would be a violation of the marriage covenant Uh, and so oral sex is certainly in that category Mm -hmm. but even more than that
0: yeah and everybody you know everybody has uh, a rule book about sex Um, I'm not sure if that question was uh was uh, meant to say is oral sex within marriage okay? Is oral sex sex within marriage? I don't I don't know what that a question um, meant or is oral sex sex if it was just. Um, I assume that asking. was somebody
1: wondering whether or not they can get away with it before marriage.
0: Oh, yeah. But I don't yeah, know. Maybe I mean, it
1: wasn't. It yeah. could have been. Could've
0: um, been so it's, it's really good for a couple to, you know, have a rule book. Rule, you know, you may have your own written rule book based on your past experiences, based on your upbringing in your home. Um, but it is really important for a couple to develop their own rule book so that there's comfort and there's um and there's you know a mutual understanding of what is acceptable and not acceptable between you know the husband and wife because what you don't want is you don't want to not have this rule book developed and then get to the other side of marriage you get to your like your wedding night and have all these expectations placed on your husband and you expecting certain things and wanting certain things. And then, you know, your husband look at you like you're from Mars because that is not what he had in mind. Um, And so it's very important to have these ongoing conversations because even as the years go on, you might, you know, want to change up some things that you, that you did. So
1: that's kind of um, a key point, I think, because for, you know, I, I, sometimes I joke that Cheryl's been married to five men. (laughs) you know there it's all me but it's five different versions of me over the years and so like you know she she hired like a i mean she married a uh, a uh, kid you know from jersey who was like nearly uh, I, anyway a kid from jersey just put that in your head from the 90s um and uh and now, like, you know, I'm, I, I'm changed. Like, I'm a different person. I'm still the same person, but I'm also a very different person. And I have different ideas and different uh, even values that I had back then and different uh, things that I would consider needs and different things that she would. And so the conversation has to continue as, you know, we as we continue in our marriages. And we've been able to do that. Uh, sometimes very successfully uh over the years, and sometimes we get we get slack about it, we get lazy about it mm-hmm. and um, usually you know that that ends up being something that has to be pushed back to the forefront uh, and it 's not because you know we 're not talking about it because we 're uncomfortable or anything like that, but life is yeah. busy and it changes, and uh, you know we just we just don 't tend to these parts of our our relationship as readily maybe as mm-hmm. uh, as we did or as we ought to.
0: Yeah, and I think even the day-to-day, you know, gets in the way, and, um, you know, you could have had, like, a a busy day, a busy week, you know, a busy month, and then suddenly it's like, oh, yeah, I'm still married to you. You get into the bedroom, and it's like, "Uh, where have you been? Because now you want sex, and... I don't recognize you because you've been working so many hours and I was home with the kids all day and um, I've been busy at work myself and we haven't been attending to each other's needs outside the bedroom and suddenly now I expect you to perform when you haven't seen me in, you know, days. Yeah. yeah. So the gist so of this
1: part, I think, is important for us to remember, right? So we ought to have sex. We ought to have great sex. We can use sex as a barometer of the relationship as well. And mm-hmm. I think that's a kind of a, an important thing to kind of recognize. And so if something is, is uh, not quite right in your sex life, then, then that's worth talking about mm-hmm. because it probably indicates something else going on in the relationship. Yeah, now, absolutely. I want to put a little caveat on this because I'm talking about a normal marriage with uh, mostly uh, functional adults who aren't dealing with abuse or trauma or, or dysfunction. you know some yeah. sort of dysfunction that yeah. is a little bit more deeply uh, seated the reason i mm-hmm. say that is because if if you're struggling in some of those areas and you hear us say you ought to have sex you ought to have more of it it ought to be great and mm-hmm. it isn't for you and that's caused by uh, some deep seated pain or trauma then then right. this is only going to frustrate you to no end and it's going to feel uh, pretty tone deaf as well and so i just want to mention that uh, because that's another that's another topic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's another conversation. It's just one that's really worth having.
0: Right. Oh, are there best times to discuss sex in marriage? Uh,
1: Not right after. <laughs> you, usually, unless you're discussing how awesome it just was. <laughs> okay. um,
0: uh, so we've seen uh, you know we've heard that couples um, have like maybe a time each. Month where they say, you know what? Let's just sit down. And let's talk about the marriage. And um, sometimes they're called like state of the unions, or you know, they're just catch up times. And they talk about everything about their marriage. You know, are we are we making time to date each other? Are we um, are we you know giving too much attention to other things that uh, are competing with? Our marriage, um, how is sex? It's just and uh, and it's a great opportunity just to just to talk about your marriage and how you're doing, and it keeps that conversation going. And it's not say, it's not. You know, I'm not saying that you got to wait for that. You know, one time a month to talk about it, but if you're not talking about it at least once a month, that might make it harder to talk about it. And um, and it's never too late to start those. Consistent conversations because it is such a great opportunity for you to get on the same page and talk about what you want and just be able to, um, you know. I, I uh, there was this one couple that I heard that it was hard for them at first to talk about it, so they would write it down and then when they got together, they would just kind of exchange each other's thoughts because then it was it was all written down. There was nothing, you know, and you know, uncomfortable. And sometimes they even realized that they were both thinking the same thing. And now that gave them an opportunity to kind of break down those barriers that once existed. That was
1: kind of cool. One of the questions that came in is related to the next couple of verses starting in three. He said, the husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife. And likewise, the wife to her husband, the wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband. In the same way, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. And so this Mm -hmm. idea of yielding your body is worth a little bit of conversation uh, because for many, many years, this has been used to take advantage of women. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of us have seen that. uh, And, you know, this idea is, hey, you know, you can't, you know, you're yielding, your body is not Mm -hmm. your own, your body is mine. And so it's always used in kind of a give me more uh, of an attitude. But of course, the, the equality that Paul uses here is stunning. This is like nearly unprecedented in ancient literature, especially coming from the background that this was written in uh, culturally. It, it, this is unbelievable. And so this idea of mutual obligation and a mutual gift that you're, you're offering, because the word here is actually a gift, a charis in the Greek. And so, and that idea that it goes both ways is so vital to a proper understanding of what it means to yield your body mm-hmm. uh, to another person. Yeah.
0: yeah, and it doesn't mean that you're you're yielding to the whims of whatever your spouse wants, you know, to do to you. Um, you know, some sexual proclivities are, you know, are degrading and they're off limits for, for Christ followers. Um, you know, but knowing what is and isn't, you know, off limits and, you know, just creating this um, comfort zone where, you know, where you serve each other and give this gift to each other can just become such a beautiful experience.
1: Yeah, if we wanted to run in sort of broad brush stereotypes for a minute, because that's mm-hmm. always smart. <laughs> um, you know, this idea, you know, they've, it has been said, especially in Christian circles, that, you know, mm-hmm. one of the sexiest things a husband can do is the dishes. You know, Power. or put the kids to bed, or something oh, like yeah. that. And the fact that a couple of you chuckle shows that the stereotype has a reason. <laughs> uh, but um, but uh, the the point here is that a, a man might read this text and be like, obviously, I'm yielding my body in a sexual way. You you have to yield your body in a sexual way. But the principle goes way beyond just sex. Mm-hmm. There's a mutual submission in other parts of the scriptures that yes. I think we could extend here, which means, yeah, that that finding out what your what uh, brings your spouse joy and pleasure or or brings them a sense of solidity in the relationship and confidence in the relationship Mm -hmm. is part of yielding your body yes but we don't want it to extend that far because that means that it you know it impacts how we actually live through the rest you know of the of the day the other 23 hours Mm -hmm. of uh the day
0: Yeah. Uh, So we have another question. How long is too long to wait by mutual consent? I think uh, this is referring to the uh, time uh, set aside for prayer. Let me read that first. In
1: verse 5 it says, do not deprive each other except perhaps by by mutual consent and for a time Mm -hmm. so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Uh, then come together again, so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. I say mm-hmm. this as a concession, not as a command. so this idea of do not deprive what do you what do you take there?
0: um yeah, I think you're you're holding back. do not deprive each other. I think sometimes um you know a wife could use you know sex as a weapon, like if you don't do this, 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 and this, then don't expect me to you know perform for you in uh in bed and um that is sin that is wrong um, i think you don't withhold because you're waiting for someone to perform I don't think that that That, is that's
1: with the qualifier that if something is wrong in the relationship and if there's other issues going on or right like you
0: said you know sex is like a barometer so if something yeah if something's wrong it needs to be it needs to be talked about but this uh um you know but to you don't want to deprive your your spouse. You want, you also want your spouse to kind of, you know, be clear when they are being, when they're feeling deprived. Um, And, you know, we've, we've, you know, I, I, I mentioned this before, but you don't want your husband or, you know, or your wife to want something and, you don't and feel deprived and then, uh, and then, you know, come to you, like express that need and you're like, Pump the brakes, buddy. That's not what I signed up for. Um, I think I think it's important to to give that gift because marriage is a gift. You know, just like you know, being being you know, there's a gift of singleness. There's a gift of marriage. You've been giving been given this wonderful gift in your spouse, yeah. and you don't want to. And we're talking wanna... about
1: kind of that the the last. You know, the last 10 yards. Yes. And so the other 90 yards, uh, we've got to say that the conversation has to happen all along the way. And so what's causing the deprivation? Is it a lack of understanding? Is Mm -hmm. it uh, a situation where uh, lifestyle that, you know, one of the, you know, the husband or the wife is contributing to a a chaotic or a stressful lifestyle that's causing the other to, to withdraw or pull back? And so... Um, you know, this isn't it, this isn't so much saying, you know, you absolutely have to make sure you do this first and foremost. But mm-hmm. the, we we ought to get there, and the way we get there is through the conversation and the mutual respect and the love and uh, the sensitivity to each other's needs. And mm-hmm. all of those conversations bring mm-hmm. us to that point. If this is being used um, to uh, force or to make someone feel uncomfortable or awkward, then we haven't done the necessary preparatory work, work yeah. to to kind of get there
0: yeah so the how long back to that question about how long is too long for mutual consent um you know as I, long
1: as you can pray it said
0: yeah as long as you can pray so if yeah your,
1: if your prayer life is 15 minutes a day
0: yeah <laughs> no just kidding minutes. scratch that from the video
1: this <laughs> is a joke
0: I I imagine that your prayer was like, when is this going to end?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that's right. When is this prayer fast for Uh, sex and I yeah I think
0: for uh, I think for many you know for couples it's it's different for for every couple you may decide you know to go a couple of days you may decide to go a week Um, uh, that would that week would not work in my home. Interestingly, Uh, that's how many times um, per month is healthy?
1: All right, so I'm going to give you. I want to talk about. That's a great question. Um, I I like this because it starts to get sort of to brass tacks a little bit. The thing is, that is what your relationship has to figure out. Yes. And so, everybody is a unique sexual creature, and so your desires, your longings. Your needs, uh, wants, all of that is individual to you. And so now you've been put in a relationship by God, and I think the difference in sexual appetites is key. I think that's a good thing. God could have made it so they all synced up, uh, but they don't, because if they synced up, we wouldn't we wouldn't talk about it, we wouldn't have to grow together, we wouldn't have to grow in our mutual love and respect and and, and all of that. So how many times is what your relationship is going to figure out? But if one of that, one of you is constantly feeling deprived, then it requires more conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I think that's, I think that's kind of the, the that's the broad sort of general mm-hmm. answer. But we can get a little right. more specific too. Did you want to say something though? That.
0: Uh, yeah, I I feel like if you know you're starting out at once a week and want to work up from there, that. That would be great. I think the, like, the golden standard is, like, once a week, but they're finding that people are happier at, like, two, three, four times a week. They, be, they build this bond, um, and, you know, you're, like, your happy hormones start, like, and happy chemicals start firing so that, you know, even when you're out of the bedroom, there's still this closeness and this security when you're apart from each other, um, and yeah.
1: There's, that's built. It's kind of a simplification that got out there through some of the Christian books that were written like a decade or two ago that said that uh, women use sex in order to feel closeness mm-hmm. uh, but men feel closeness after sex yeah. and and I think some of you would agree with that because you feel that way and others would say no, no, that's not actually at all how I feel mm-hmm. I feel the, the man's way or the woman's way and that's of course part of the point is there are no broad brush kind of a thing that we can make in, in a lot of those. Everyone is a unique sexual being and and so the Mm -hmm. conversation and what those needs are are going to be a part of that Mm -hmm. Uh, but it does flow both ways and I think the the research you're talking about has has pointed out over the last few decades of research that you know kind of the, the the minimum amount of sex in a marriage where things don't start looking more negative for the couple Kind of like mm-hmm. the baseline threshold is once a week. And yeah. they seem that most people have a three or four day kind of rhythm where they're having desire sort of increase almost naturally. Uh, and then for others, it's, it is more voracious than that. And I think, you know, that's worth a conversation. I would say that if you're married to someone who is saying, you know, two th- like, you know it's like, uh, you know, they want to have sex, like, you know, they snack like three four times a day yeah (laughs) it's probably worth a conversation with an expert uh, because there might be some other stuff going on there Uh, but some of you were thinking once a week I I assumed that if he or she if my 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 wife wanted sex once a week they were an addict Mm -hmm. like I thought that would require that they get help and just statistically speaking that isn't the case
0: yeah yeah it's not um So we've been talking a lot about uh, sex within marriage. Um, Somebody has a question. So few people wait for marriage anymore. What do you have to say about that? Um, Well, we believe that the Bible teaches that marriage was... uh, uh, Sex was created um, to happen during the confines of marriage. And um, we... But we know we live in a fallen, broken world where there is, you know, there's abuse, there's premarital sex, there's, um, you know, different upbringings that, uh, that you know, made it okay for uh, you to have sex outside of marriage. And, um, but we believe that it, that sex was designed for married couples. And, um and so, and we believe that the Bible teaches that, that you yeah. should wait till marriage. Um, and I think this kind of even goes back to that oral sex question, like, what is sex? And, you know, how far can I go before I'm married? Um,
1: I like to say as far as you would go with your sister.
0: Yes, yeah, so... <laughs> Yeah, and I would I would love for you to talk it's to my sister. son and his fiance because they have set up some amazing like guidelines that you know I wish I had set up when I was you know uh, young and engaged and uh, and, I, and
1: I tried to knock most of those guidelines down anyway because <laughs> we were not living for Christ back then and yeah, so uh, yeah. but I but you know the scriptures talk about us being brothers and sisters and so if we're mm-hmm. brothers and sisters in Christ and if the person you're currently mm-hmm. dating ends up with your marrying your brother in Christ, then whatever you did in that relationship, you Mm -hmm. ought to be proud of. That you handed your brother uh, his wife Mm -hmm. in a way that respected and honored her and him. Yes. So that you and your relationship as brothers would not have, have, would not be negatively impacted because of how well you treated uh, your your sister in Christ, yes. who happened to be your girlfriend for a season, and
0: the and the you know the truth of the matter is, if you can't control yourself sexually before marriage, you know, what makes you think that on the other side of marriage you're going to be able to control yourself sexually when you know you find that your your spouse's needs have decreased or there's kids in the picture now? You know if you aren't able to control yourself before. Um, I think you're, you're bringing in a whole yeah. lot of baggage that is not going to...
1: Kind of I want to just comment on something else too because we're really, we're kind of going to have to thread the needle on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try not to use any sort of like puns. But um, the reason I say this is important is for me to think, for us to think about is because it is happening a lot. And so if we believe that premarital sex or outside of marriage sex is wrong... Uh, we we have to recognize that it's sin like other sin, and that mm-hmm. we have a Savior, and that yes. there is forgiveness. And there, like we, because in the Christian community, we've tended to almost idolize virginity, and and I don't I, I, I think that we've done some harm in those ways as well. Yeah. And so I, I we we are we are sinners saved by the the incredible mercy of Jesus, his death yes. on the cross, his love for us. Mm-hmm. the ideals he gave us for marriage aren't because he's, he's a killjoy, right? We already started with the fact that God loves sex. And so we, we know he loves sex because of how he made sex. And so he loves it. Mm-hmm. And so why the restrictions? Well, for the same reason you put restrictions on anything, because yeah. he wants it to be the best. And if we all actually did follow the the biblical rules for it, society would be healthier, relationships would be happier, uh, marriages would be better, uh, children would be raised in more stable environments, there would be less heartache and misery, especially among women um, who have been abused uh, just ruthlessly and relentlessly in this area of sexuality and relationships. And so, you know, there are there is a part of it where we want to say, no, we can't do that. We shouldn't do it. Uh, it's, it's wrong. It's a bad thing to do in so many ways. Uh, and there's all sorts of reasons that we can give, but without, without making all of the shame and the guilt that comes uh, right. from a reality that, that this is, in fact, happening. Um, from my perspective, what I want to say, if you're like a young couple trying to figure this out, actually, now I guess it's even older couples because that's our new world, um, and so we, we deal with this now with older couples more than we're dealing with it with young couples, uh, which is amazing um, irony because yes. it was them telling us anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but uh, but I, the God's way is better is mm-hmm. what I just want to say. Yes, it's better. Absolutely. And you can trust Him on that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so there's a part of this passage that talks about you know we're talk, we're talking about marriage and. Um, uh, there is also the a part of this passage that's talking about uh, divorce and being married to non-believers, and uh, you know, and so we just wanted to take a little bit of time to talk about that because oftentimes when you're married to a non-believer, you're not playing by the same set of rules, and it becomes very, um, very tricky. Um, but we're encouraged, we're encouraged, If Christian, if you're married to a non-believer, it is God's desire that you stay married to, to your spouse. Um, it talks about, you know, the sanctifying work that can be done in the lives of your spouse who's not a Christ follower. Imagine if you loved your spouse like Jesus does what uh, life-giving and, um, and you know, loving influence you can have on, on your husband or your wife and with the hopes of leading them to, to Jesus. And this is not a, you know, I'm going to stay in this marriage so I can preach it. At, you know, at my spouse, in uh, First Peter, you know, he basically says, women, we, I don't want you to, you know, nag your husbands into, into the family of Christ. You know, it should be, you should live your life like a Christian and have that draw them to Jesus. Um, and uh, um, I also want to say that, you know, he's also, Paul is not giving you permission to marry a non-believer for the hopes of bringing them to Christ. And we've seen that happen, you know, many times where, you know, somebody wants to get married so desperately, and the only person that it seems like God is bringing to me is a non-believer. And um, I would really, really caution you um, because, again, you are not playing by the same... Uh, you're not playing by the same set of standards and it, uh, it makes marriage all that more difficult. Marriage yeah. is hard enough.
1: <laughs> Cheryl's talking about this serious topic and I'm smirking because I feel like I'm being punked because of all the questions that have just come in about masturbation. Oh. Um, so I just feel like you just... In, oh. did you cut my mic because you're like I oh. can't do this oh gosh <laughs> so oh, wow. um and so yeah we've had a few questions about it and so uh I think you should address those
0: okay so um <laughs> this is a real I I you know I don't think that masturbation is wrong I don't know if I'm going to get, like, criticized for that. I think um, there could be times when it is, you know, especially when, like, porn is brought into the equation. I think that is, that's off limits. Um, what were some of the other think, questions? Because I, think, I just totally, I think it's like. Kind of
1: a, I think that's a thing to t- hit on, because this is kind of a controversial topic in, in some Christian circles. Uh, I think for a married couple, especially, especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, this idea of self-pleasure was one of the first questions the way it was phrased. Um, I think that a couple has to figure out if this works. I don't think there is a moral mandate in the scriptures that say mm-hmm. that this is wrong. And so mm-hmm. from my perspective, I think um, that it is inside of marriage. I think you we, you could easily look at that and say, no, this is okay. This, is a, this can be a good thing. And in <laughs> fact, there is really good indication that – it's a necessary part of healthy sexuality and climax uh, for a whole lot of people, and so manual stimulation or mutual stimulation, that kind of a thing. And so there's a, a big body of research out there that you know we tend to make vaginal sex the gold standard and and simultaneous climax the gold standard, and those are mythologies that we have bought into that are not actually conducive. Um, to healthy sex for most people. Mm -hmm. Now, when you start talking about it, you know, in terms of like sort of on your own uh, and before marriage, this is where things get a little bit more dicey. Um, And I think what I I just agree, we've never really, I don't know, we've really talked about that in many years, but I kind of think uh, the answer is uh, maybe sometimes it's good, it's okay. And then maybe sometimes it's not. And so, you know we have i might have a little bit more of a of a flexible view on that and so i don't want to give a yes always okay yeah certainly if pornography is involved this is certainly a problem right. Um, right but it's hard to to make the argument strictly from scripture uh as to uh as to whether or not it, it it's something that would be acceptable yeah um one of the last things that we just wanted to mention to you guys is there's a ton of things in here about uh, the the reasons that a person can get a divorce. uh, And, you know, we talk about adultery and uh, and abandonment and abuse as kind of the main reasons Um, whether or not one particular couple should pursue a divorce in those cases. is worth a conversation and worth wise counsel. Uh, The issue of remarriage is super complex scripturally and so it isn't as easy as just saying yes or no. Right. And my point in, in all of this, and as we kind of worked through it uh, over the last couple of weeks, this, these topics require a great deal of conversation. Mm-hmm. And if they're the conversations about your relationship and uh, you or your past or trauma, some of those conversations are with your husband or uh, wife. And some of those mm-hmm. conversations are, it's needed to bring experts in, professionals, and some of those conversations, wise counsel from godly people can be a part of that with you, and uh, we have benefited greatly over the years from many, many conversations uh, with uh, our brothers and sisters, um, our brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm sitting on this thing, I shouldn't be sitting on it, oh. um, and then of course, uh, being able to, to have these kind of conversations Uh, with people that you trust. And so we have these conversations with people. I know Trevor and Lindsay does, other leaders in the church. Uh, We're open to these kinds of conversations, and uh, we do think that they're important for you guys to have. So, you know, use this as a kickoff uh, in your marriage. If things aren't going so great right now in this area, uh, let this be the conversation where you say, "You know hey, I think we should talk about this because they said we should talk about it, so we should talk about it and just blame it on us, blame it on her Yeah. Um, that would be even more fun okay. and then um, and then of course when uh, when we 're talking about uh, this uh, ongoing conversation uh, we'll be able to help find some folks uh, that can you know that can journey uh, with you uh, journey with yes, you in this and absolutely. so um well, this was really fun. Um, and, Gosh, uh, there were
0: so many other, things, so many other we, things we had we to talk about that to, we didn't even uh, get, close get close to, to
1: uh, talking about. Yes. But uh, we hope it was uh, in some way uh, helpful and encouraging to you guys. Um, if- and if,
0: and you're, I, we see that questions are still coming in. You can email your questions to us. Uh, the email address is T-R-E-V-O-R at (laughs) beacon.church, and he will answer all of your questions. One thing I I did want to say is, you know, part of what we were going to talk about was uh, singleness, but we're like running out of time. But uh, Trevor gave an amazing message on singleness back in the middle of January. And if you missed it, um, whether you're actually, whether you're single or not, it would be a great message for you to go back and listen to it. It was around the um, middle of January. Um, and it was just such a a great topic that he covered. Sure. Yeah. If you enjoyed the sermon, want to learn more about Jesus or get to know our community, please visit beacon.church to get connected. We would love to hear from you.